0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 354. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by producer extraordinaire Matthew Marister.
1: Good afternoon, Riley. How are you doing, man?
0: I am great, man. I'm thrilled to be here on the PewCast with you, brother. <laughs>
1: I like that. Uh, it's <laughs> starting to stick, right?
0: Logistically, we can't change the name to Concealed Carry PewCast because there's too much out there that says podcast. But we'll <laughs> refer to it as the PewCast. Right, right. Whoever it was that recommended that, we love you. Uh, so today on the PewCast, we're going to be doing our legislative updates episode. This is the episode we typically do on the fourth Tuesday of the month where we provide updates on legislative issues from around the country both on a federal level as well as at various state levels. Uh, We'll typically cover some uh, national level stories and follow that up with what we call our speed reload of legislative updates from around the nation. Today we're covering some stories from New Hampshire, Wisconsin, California, Pennsylvania. There could be others but due to time and due to some more, what I think are probably more pressing matters to focus on today, uh, that's what we're going to do. <clears throat> Today's episode made possible brought to you by LASR or Laser. This is the software application that is available originally on Windows devices, but is now available on any device that has a internet browser and a web connection via their new software they refer to as Laser X. L A S R. X. It is an awesome software program. I just did a shop talk a couple days ago demonstrating some some things about that, especially a new feature they referred to as their networking feature, which is pretty awesome and pretty powerful. It allows you to use the Laser X software with an upgrade to the app. Yes, it does cost a little bit of money. It's reasonable, I think, especially if it's important enough to you. And it provides some additional opportunities. I was able to set up two different computers and a tablet all running Laser X, all pointing in different directions in the uh, warehouse here at the uh, home base, and could have targets on different walls in different locations, and able to shoot all those different targets with some pretty awesome transitions, meaning I had to transition a lot bigger and a lot wider than I typically would with a single station setup. So that was really cool. I'm really excited about the, the things we're seeing coming from Laser, Uh, the laser app system. So check it out today, head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash L-A-S-R and take advantage of this awesome training software. Uh, You will want a CERT pistol as well, perhaps to go along with that or some sort of laser training aid. And of course, those are always available for sale at a very competitive price, I might add, in our concealedcarry.com online store. Speaking of the store, Matthew, yes. we have and we just got in a new batch. This is like our second or third printing of the Legal Boundaries by State book. This thing is flying. We can't keep it on the shelves. We we need to like keep upping our our you know the the quantities that we're having these made in. But this is a fantastic fifty state guide of legal issues, laws, uh, where you can carry, where you can't carry, what you can carry, where and where you can't. Uh, all kinds of stuff. If you are if you are ever on the road, this is an indispensable guide available for the serious American gun-owning, traveling, carrying dude or dudette. So head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash LBBS. Oh, no. Excuse me. Let me change that up concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. That's what it is. I think LBBS may work as well, but let's go with concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Pick up a copy today. This is one that we, our team here produced and put together. Uh, It is fantastic. We put a lot of work into it and we, I'll tell you, here's the thing. There's a competing product out there that we used to sell. I I guess we probably still have it on our store, Uh, but it only printed each year in late December for the, for the coming year. Every time we order a new printing of this, we make sure it's up to date. And so far we've had new printings about every other month. So it's up to date all, a lot more frequently than what you'd think. All right, not that there's a ton of major changes in most cases, but it's good to know that it's up to date. We also have an ebook version of that and uh, that's a pretty good resource to, to have as well. All right. Matthew, let's jump into things here. We got a story here out of New York City actually. This is a case basically some individuals, some gun owners in New York City were suing the city and this is this was taken up to and was it, it has been picked up by the Supreme Court. At issue here is basically the point or the issue that New York City requires a special license for any gun within city limits and especially very restrictive licensing on handguns. And not only that, once you, once you have that license, you're very much restricted as far as what you can do with that gun and where you can take it speak, you know, such as like you were limited taking it only to one of a handful of gun ranges in the city and very, very few limited other, uh, you know, exceptions elsewhere as well. So some, some New York city gun owners said, This is not cool. It's unconstitutional. Let's sue. Supreme court decided to take on that case in the meanwhile, while that, you know, since the time the Supreme court agreed to hear the case to next month, which is when that case was supposed to be heard, New York city has since proactively decided to change their regulations to try to basically get that case to go away and, and hoping the Supreme court would declare now the case is being moot, right? That it, that, it no longer was relevant and because things had changed and they had changed their law to hopefully bring it into compliance, as I'm sure the uh, city officials there believe, with you know con- the Constitution, which it still isn't. Uh, so, <laughs> this, unfortunately for New York City, the Supreme Court has still determined to go ahead and hear the case, and they're going to hear it first and decide on whether it's a moot case or not, or whether it's still relevant, and if it's still relevant – then they're going to decide on the constitutionality. And this could be a pretty big case, uh, you know, as far as, again, further limiting what cities or even states can do to uh, limit one's right to carry a gun. It is so, so strictly regulated in New York City. I I, 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 I would be afraid if I was in New York City right now, as far as this, this getting turned over, these uh, silly regulations.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean you covered everything uh, spot on. I would just uh, encourage the listeners or viewers to go and check out the link uh, that we put in the show notes of this story because it's not a Fox News story or CNN story. It's a it's a, it's an a- analysis of both sides of the argument and the uh, the legal procedures and how it progresses, and um, it it really sheds a lot of light into. Um, the 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 arguments and what the arguments are based off of because you know you could argue any point in court you want but only arguments that are or arguments that are based off of pre existing case law or things like that uh, are are more hold more weight right and, and so um, these types of things are really important in understanding the legislation rather than just uh, the Second Amendment it's it's you know it, it covers everything well it doesn't really and you have to look at how it's actually interpreted. By the courts, and this this article does a great great job of uh, of juxtaposing both of those together, and, and and really doesn't take a side one way or the other. In my opinion, um, yep. so October first, we'll find out if they're if they find it moot, moot, and I don't think that they will. I think they'll they'll uh, continue with it, um, and then December second is uh, is kind of where it starts, and I think that's like you said, going to be huge huge case, like up there with the Heller decisions and things like that.
0: Yep. Yep, you got it. We'll see how that goes. and definitely be one I follow, especially if the court decides to continue on with that case and rule on, on that, the constitutionality issues there because that could uh, really further help clarify some, some issues for a lot of people and not just in New York City even. All right, Matthew, tell us about this story from PBS. It's titled, Most Americans Support These Four Types of Gun Legislation, Poll Says.
1: Yeah. So here's, here's one of those polls that you'll hear everybody, you know, Hey, most gun owners support this or most Americans support this. And, and they throw out a bunch of figures and, and things like that. And, um, whether or not it's a pro gun poll, you know, Hey, most gun owners don't support this or whatever it is. Uh, I I'm always leery with these types of polls because all you have to do is find the asterisks in the footnote, right. And say, okay, what are they what's the condition of these questions? And, and, um, so, they go through a, a couple of different questions about uh, increased mental health funding, required background checks for private and uh, gun show sales. Ah, uh, create a national red flag law, require a license before gun purchase, ban the sale of high capacity magazines, ban the sale of semi-automatic weapons, create a mandatory assault weapon buyback program, and allow school teachers to carry guns. And so th- they'll they'll throw these figures out, and they'll say, in this case, eighty nine percent of Americans believe increased mental health funding. Nine uh, believe that nine percent believe they shouldn't. Well, that I mean, that's that's. You know, reasonable. I think. I think nine is probably high. You know, I would.
0: I would suspect. Um, but increased mental health funding. I think that yeah. is so, that is definitely one thing. Like this is like the one data point on this whole thing. I actually believe. 100%. Right.
1: And, I, and I'm wondering the nine percent, and and so there's a margin of error of three point six point percent, just understand that. Um, The the other one that people will talk about is the uh, required background checks or universal background checks. And they say 83% are for universal background checks. 72% are for red flag laws. um, And 72% think that you should be required uh, to to have a license before gun purchase. Now, it's important to note that this survey only surveyed 1,317 adults. Okay, yeah. so when they say, "Do does does America s- support this or that?" I mean, it, it's it's a, a thousand people in the whole country that they're saying this is what represents America. Um, yeah. They're also not reporting on unsure responses. So if if you say, "Hey, you know, I'm not really sure one way or the other," they're not going to give you that response. So I would suspect that if they took in those responses, there would be a lot of people in the middle that are like, "Hey, I'm I'm not really for it." But the way you're phrasing it, you know, I, 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 guess I'm for it the way you're phrasing it. And so I think there's a lot that goes into these studies. I, I looked, um, they, they reference a couple other studies and similarly, the numbers are similar in some respects and different than, than other polls. So, um, I, I guess basically the the importance that I think in in these types of articles is to understand that this is what they're trying to shape your belief system is is that if you don't agree with the eighty three percent that think that you should have universal background checks, then you're somehow extremist or that you're out of the norm. Um, where I don't think it's eighty three percent, and even if it were, it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't mean that it's constitutionally legal it doesn't so so there's other you know there's other issues or there's other ways that you could do certain things um and so i think we we sometimes argue with you know for and against these these uh statistics and stuff but they're not always accurate i mean if if all these polls were correct i mean we probably have a different president because they said it was a hundred to one odds. <laughs> so I, I'm just—I don't put a lot of faith in these, and and I wouldn't, uh, yeah. you know, one way or the other. I'm with
0: you, bro. Yeah, I mean, so and just yesterday, by the way, in this this uh, House Judiciary Committee hearing that we're going to talk about some more here in a minute that was held, uh, where they are talking about and they had a, a panel of individuals coming there to testify either on behalf of or against uh, a potential new assault weapons ban. I heard mentioned a couple of times in that meeting uh, that 90% of Americans are in support of universal background checks, you know, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, hmm, I don't, I, I don't buy that and I don't believe it. Uh, I, It wouldn't necessarily surprise me, you know, just just to be truthful, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me to see about 50 to 60% of Americans in support of something like that, but it's there's no way in heck it's 90%. Uh, right, this one is saying 83%. Uh, they're saying that 72% of Americans support a red flag law, a national red flag law. We'll talk about that in the next story. And 72% requiring a license before a gun purchase. And that's another one. I'm just like, what? Yeah, I want to know who they're talking about. I'd like to know more about the sample of individuals here, these 1,300 people that uh, they, they interviewed uh, a few days ago. Well, a couple weeks ago, September 5th to the 8th. Uh, and again, yeah, as you pointed out, unsure response is not shown. So, how many of those were there? you know that could that could have great relevance on this too, but still, it really comes down to who they're polling, where those people are from, like do they really get a good cross section of america we, I'd like to think that they did, but based on the the results here i'm I'm not buying that that's what they did so for all we know, most of these people were in New York City. <laughs> I mean, it's possible right <laughs> All righty. Uh let's move on to our next story is national support for red flag gun laws could prevent many suicides this is a story on statnews.com uh you know i don't know about that it's hard to say whether it would, you know that's the thing with these sorts of things like there's all kinds of reasons that are given for why we might pass certain legislation. And we love to be able to say, if we do this, it's going to result in this. How often does the government do something and they promise you it's going to do a certain thing and it doesn't actually turn out that way. I could think of a lot of instances where the government has promised to deliver on something and failed to do so. Hmm? Am I right?
1: Yeah.
0: Here's the other thing. There's almost always unintended consequences, Right. And it's really easy to focus on what this might do or what it might prevent and really easy to not pay attention to what some of the unintended consequences would be. There's definitely going to be some of those related to this. Now, what I want to touch on is that uh, Marco Rubio, senator from Florida, he has joined uh, a a growing list, actually, and I think unfortunately, of senators and other legislators on the federal level to Create this Extreme Risk Protection Order and Violence Protection Act. Uh, Now, what this is is not creating a federal red flag law. And I'm kind of thankful to them for that somewhat. But what it's doing is encouraging states to adopt their own red flag laws by providing financial incentives, by providing grants to help implement those laws. And so it's not really any different. I mean, like, on the one hand, it's like, I appreciate when the federal government isn't like we're gonna we're gonna step on all of you guys, all you states and, and and the local governments and force you to do this thing. Cause I definitely believe in in smaller government and local government, in you know, separation between federal and state powers and that states have rights too, just like individuals have rights. But I'm not a fan of these red flag laws. I, I haven't yet seen one yet crafted in such a way that I go, yeah, that works, right? Where we preserve due process and accomplish what they're wanting to accomplish. What, what What's amazing to me, Matthew, is I keep coming back and I use Colorado as an example. I know Colorado's not the only one in this category where we have these M1 holds in Colorado, mm-hmm. which really are our moot point now because now we also have a red flag law in Colorado. And the M1 hold is a process that's been there for a long time that allows a law enforcement officer or somebody to, primarily it's a law enforcement tool, to take someone who they believe is mentally unstable, has a mental health crisis, and allows them to submit them to, to a psychiatric facility for seventy a maximum 72-hour hold. And if it's gonna be extended beyond that, there's a process for that, okay? And there's paperwork that's filed that has to be approved as well. And so then that system, I think, has worked pretty well for a long time when people actually follow through and do what they're supposed to do. And that's the big fallacy here to the whole red flag law debate, is could it work the way it's intended to work? There will be some unintended consequences. I'm going to avoid that for right now, but could, could these red flag laws work and prevent some bad things from happening? Yeah, I think they could. At the same time, though, they are trampling upon due process. In most cases, the, the laws I've seen, the way they're structured, there is not enough protections for gun owners. Uh, you know, Some of the ones that have been crafted, you have your guns removed and they're removed for up to a year. -hmm. And they can be, they, it can, you know, and that can be extended. And, you know, there's, and you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get your rights back and get things reinstated. You know, there's just, there's, and here's the other thing having a federal law that says, states go and create your own, we're encouraging the states to do so. Well, we're going to end up with so many different variations of, of state red flag laws. And some are going to be okay marginally. Some are going to really suck and cause some serious problems. So while again, I recognize state rights, uh, this sounds like this is, I I wish Marco Rubio would just take a step back and say, yeah, uh, this is a bad idea because this is going to create one massive bureaucratic mess trampling upon Second Amendment rights of a lot of American citizens. Some good result, but I think the overall net result will be negative, personally speaking
1: yeah in in the the important thing and again i, I recommend anybody listening or, or or watching to go to the to the link because there's some um there's some assertions that are made in in the article um about the percentage of suicide attempts um and and how it's gone down they say suicide uh, attempts have gone down um because of laws like this well like riley said states have the ability uh the police to to empower the police officers to place people on 72-hour holds um and it is in conjunction with that some of that allows uh firearms to be taken under certain circumstances okay but what they're saying is that um in in this article that uh suicide that Laws like this have helped reduce suicides uh, with guns, which is a huge issue, right? It's a huge issue. Uh, Suicides—fifty percent uh, of the suicides are are uh, committed with a with a firearm, um, and so it is it it is a big thing. But what they're not telling you, or what they're not it, it, until you dive into the numbers, what they're not telling you is that um, the recidivism rate when somebody has their fire? They they went through a study and they started from 1999 to I believe it's 2015, and this is where they get the number has decreased. And what they said was that um, people that uh, that are that have their firearms taken because they were placed on a hold because of suicide, suicidal tendencies, or or some similar sort of statement like that. Um, the the percentage of them that commit suicide afterwards goes down well that's that that's true um but there's only it only reduces the the likelihood of them committing the 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 act with a firearm by about 30 percent still about 60 to 70 percent still commit suicide even without a firearm so it makes it seem like, oh, well, this is another good intended thing that's going to come from these red flag laws when there's already laws in place and have been in place and they even admit to that. And so it's almost like a flip-flop in the article. They, they talk about like there, there's only 373 people died in mass shootings. Um, you know, that's really what these red flag laws are about. But now there's like the suicide thing and we're going to take this angle and say that it's going to reduce suicides and may, it, it absolutely might. Um, but it's only about 30% of people that have committed suicide, have their firearms taken, and do not commit suicide again with a firearm more than more often than not. They if they do commit suicide after that, it's they they still do it. They just don't use a, fi- a firearm to do it. Yeah. So um there you gotta do look into these numbers and and like I said, when they put these links in there, look at and, and actually read the studies because they're not always uh, exactly what the uh the article is trying to paint them out as so yeah
0: uh good thoughts and I'm, and I'm glad that you went into some of the detail and what this uh is pointing out as far as some of those data points uh, which are valid right like i said i I, I do think that there will be some some effect but uh at the cost of what yeah right? and that's what we have to keep in mind let's move right along let's go down to we have a story this is uh, What's the title again? The title is Former Police Officer Delivers a Powerful Message to Congress About a Proposed Assault Weapons Ban. This is on foxnews.com. And uh, I watched this House Judiciary Committee yesterday, uh, a hearing. I watched uh, the entirety of it, uh, not all at once, not entirely live. I started it live, but uh, you know, I had, I had work to get done, you know, and I'd ha- kind of have it on the background and have to focus on something and turn it off for a minute and you know, kind of pick it up again. Uh, It was appalling some of the things I heard from some of our nation's leaders, right? These are elective officials that sit on, and this is a very powerful House committee. The Judiciary Committee uh, has great power as far as what it recommends to the House in terms of laws like this. And they were talking about assault weapons bans. And it's very clear that, that is the intent of this committee and its, and its leadership and where they want to go. Uh, I am fully expecting that it, it, some sort of a assault weapon ban bill is going to come out of that committee and go to the House. Now, where it'll go from there, who knows? I don't think this is going to become law of the land, at least right now. 2020 is going to be really important, guys, as far as What happens electorally, right, with the elections, uh, that's going to be really critical because if something happens and we get more anti-gun legislators in either of those two houses, it's going to get ugly, especially if the Senate swings to the Democratic Party. Again, we try to stay away from specific partisan issues here on the podcast, but It's no secret that we have the Democratic Party in our legislative branch of government pushing for more gun control and the Republican Party at least providing some check and balance there. Although we're seeing, at least on some issues, a few Republicans that are reaching across the aisle and it's concerning to see. So... But the point or the focus of this particular uh, article, it's actually not an article. This link, if you check the show notes, will take you directly to a video where you can watch this for yourself. This is actually a video of an interview that Diana Muller, a friend of mine, did this morning on Fox and Friends, the uh, uh, show, you know, obviously on Fox News. And she did did an awesome job in that committee hearing yesterday. She did, I think, an even awesomer job this morning on Fox and and Friends uh, explaining and just kind of further expounding on some of her positions and and things that she was talking about in that committee hearing. But one of the most powerful moments of that whole thing was when she was asked about, I don't remember specifically she was asked about, but her response ended with her, I will not comply. Mm -hmm. And then she paused with, an assault weapons ban, and she referenced how bump stocks were made illegal by the executive branch a few months ago, and how she uh, she lamented lamented about having to basically destroy or turn in her bump stock because that became illegal. And but for her, it's crossing a line now to say we are going to you know make illegal AR-15s or similar rifles. Or anything like that, including, and I'll tell you, there are those in that committee, including those that spoke about it and expressed their support for buybacks, and they didn't say the word confiscation, but that's where it was going. That is what they want, particularly Eric Swalwell from California, right, which we're well acquainted with. He, we've talked about some of the crazy stuff he said on the podcast before, <laughs> So, Matthew, did did you uh, watch any of that or watch in particular uh, uh, Diana's uh, statements or her interview? Yeah, I watched some of it. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, yeah. It, it, and you know, it's, it's important and you, you hit everything about, you know, all, all the, the reasons why and, and all this, but for me, it was good to see somebody be able to articulate things in a way that the average person can understand because it, it is so infuriating or I, I don't even know the right word. I, if I had hair, I just want to rip it out when I listen to politicians that weigh in on uh, on legislation or patch want to pass legislation or craft legislation when they have absolutely zero—like if there would be—if you could go negative zero percent of knowledge on the on the topic of firearms, that's what they would they would have. I mean, it, it is absolutely ridiculous, and they don't understand what they're trying to legislate. And then when you have them on on TV and you know, even Fox news, they'll bring on some people that aren't really that articulate in, in explaining the, the, the pro gun side. And it, and it, it, it's just infuriating. Cause I'm like, you can disprove all of these statements that they're saying on face value. It's not even an opinion. It's just, no, it doesn't shoot that caliber. No, it doesn't do that. No, that's not right. And so it, It was good to see somebody just say like a a normal average, you know, conversation you're having with somebody and be able to articulate it and say, look, I'm a woman. I'm not like some crazy right-wing extremist Ruby Ridge dude wanting to shoot it out with the, with the FBI. I'm the soccer mom that pulls up next to you and I am not for this. I will not comply. And so I think um, they've made an effort to paint gun owners into a stereotype that is an extremist, and they're really trying very hard to do that in in these types of public displays where you're rational and you're saying the correct things and you're not screaming or shouting over people. Um, it, it, it just un, it deflates that attack so so well. So, kudos to her for doing that.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, it was really awesome to see. It was refreshing too. Now she was not the only one on that panel in front of that committee that was uh, arguing on behalf of Second Amendment rights. Amy Swearer from the Heritage Foundation was also there and she did a fantastic job as well explaining things very matter-of-factly, uh, providing a number of excellent statistics to support her statements as well. So we want to give a little shout out to her uh, as well. You know. She, both Amy and Diana did fantastic job uh, in, I think, a very difficult situation. It was literally, it was like being in the lion's den. Uh, so very, very challenging place and in, in a hot seat to be in. And they handled it with grace and with humility and with humanity. That was one of the things that impressed me, Was uh, especially, especially in the case of Diana. She came across as just being, look, I'm just a normal person. You know, I'm like, she's, she's not like these politicians that were grilling her with questions. She's like most of us, regular Americans that are just trying to live our lives and want to keep our guns for very good, valid, legitimate reasons. So mad props to those fine ladies yesterday. In fact, uh, uh, Diana had a contingent of women from her organization. She is the founder, by the way, of the DC Project, which is a gun rights organization, grassroots, that basically they have, uh, I think, at least two female representatives from all the 50 states. That once a year, they travel to DC, and they spend like a week trying to meet with their various representatives and senators and other politicians to try to educate them on gun issues and gun rights and sometimes it's successful and a lot of times it's not with certain uh key individuals you know some of whom you would not be surprised about uh but they work really hard at that and i think they're doing a great job and i th- i think that you know i had a chance to talk to diana about this uh, a month or two ago at a we were shooting in a match together and she, i asked her about you know the concept behind all this and, and it was very much like she wanted to get these women together to go and do work like this because she felt it, they would be disarming, you know, as far as like, that it would be hard for some of these politicians to ignore what they had to say, that they, that they would uh, be able to, you know, break through some of the barriers because they're not your typical, proto- your, you know, especially your prototypical, you know, middle-aged white male uh, holding the air 15 up in the air and screaming, shall not be infringed. You know, they're dressing nice and beautiful and, and going and, and having intelligent, thoughtful discussions with people, or at least trying to. So I applied what they're doing there. If you want to learn know, learn more about the DC Project, I believe the website's dcproject.info. Uh, I encourage you to check them out and give them some love. And I'm pretty sure they take the donations as well. Uh, continue to support Diana and her team and everything they're doing. Uh, because they're they're doing a lot of good. And, and what she did yesterday, I thought was excellent. So, bravo, bravo, bravo. Uh, Terry asks, what about Jim Jordans? Uh, he's a representative from uh, Ohio. Uh, what about his comments in the judicial committee? I thought his comments were on point. Very good. Very solid. And also, there was another one. Uh, I forgot his name now. There was a couple that did a really good job uh, on the Republican side of the committee. There were a few that didn't do so well. Mm. And it was clear even just listening to them. I'm like, you're arguing on behalf of the Second Amendment, but you don't even quite fully understand it yourself. It was yeah. clear.
1: Do some research, so, right?
0: Anyway, yeah. All righty. Good stuff. Now That's time for our speed reload. Is that, that's what we decided to call it, right? I believe so. Legislative, <laughs> legislative reload. speed reload. Yeah, something. <laughs> it's got to have the name speed in it. I, I right. feel, cause like, you know, speedy, we're gonna go through this pretty quick. <laughs> First up, New Hampshire house sustains vetoes of anti-gun bills. Uh, we, we reported a month or two ago in another legislative update episode about how governor Sununu of New Hampshire uh, vetoed a number of anti-gun bills, three of them specifically. And, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this other than let you know that they could not override his veto. They did not have the votes for it. Bravo. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that's that's great news. And 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 kudos to Governor Sununu for uh taking and being on the right side of these issues because he took a look at these things and went, "Yeah, mm, I can't I can't give my support. I cannot sign these bills." And that's why we have government set up the way we do because Sometimes our legislatures do things that aren't the right thing to do, and it takes a good, sound leader, like a governor or a president, to say, this isn't the right thing. I'm going to say no. And again, if you have the votes, you can overturn that. In this case, it did not work. Matthew, next up, Tony Evers unveils red flag bill, says he's open to mandatory gun buyback program. This story out of Wisconsin. This is according to Madison.com
1: yeah so in wisconsin uh they're proposing red flag laws and a i believe it was a uh universal background check law and when pre and, and you know evers is like yeah i'm on board this is great and everyone's high five and this is this is perfect um and then somebody kind of presses him and is like hey well maybe uh what are you what are your thoughts about taking people's guns away like you know robert francis o'rourke wants to do and he's like well, I, I'm not, you know. I think we can talk about that. I'm not opposed to it, um, and I'm, I'm trying to look at his exact phrasing. I'm, I'm. Cons- uh, he says, "I'll consider it," but my focus is on these two bills right now. Um, and so, it's, it's. It, 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 sometimes we can uh, kind of push these crazy things that people like. O'Rourke say is just like that's super extreme, but they do have a, a an effect on people that are already in power and then trying to grasp uh donors or or stay in power and they're like, Hey, if I can say this and maybe I can get some people on my side. So it's yeah. it's it, that's why it's important to pay attention, not because O'Rourke's gonna become president, but because idiots like this pick it up and say, Hey, it sounds like a good idea because I have nothing else to say. I might as well just regurgitate this stupid comment. So yep. that's my So that's what's going on in Wisconsin. <laughs> Sorry, Mitch.
0: Yeah. Crazy. I mean, but that, that's the point. And, and so to, to the whole Beto situation, right? Like what he said was off the rails, you know, like derail, derailed anything, any chance I think he had at getting to the presidency. But I kind of wonder how much of that was he was put up to it. Somebody bought him off to, to, to go out there like that. or Maybe he just really wants to be that catalyst. And I think that's what it is. By him being willing on that national stage to go out there and say what he said, I think just sort of encourages some of these other politicians that feel the same way, but are afraid to put it out there. They're afraid to be the first ones, especially. Uh, And so I think, you know, that's how sometimes change begins. And this is not good change. Uh, So uh, we've got to somehow, you know, push this back. Uh, It's not, we're, we're in a really, really difficult fight. Uh, right now and in the coming months I feel as it relates to some of these issues well Matthew's got to jump out of here so we're going to let him go thanks so much for being here today on the show buddy and uh, you know be safe out there in Ohio and we'll uh, probably talk to you again next week on the
1: podcast awesome love you guys thanks bro
0: All right, so we've got just uh, let's see two more two more stories left here in our legislative speed reload we've got one out of California Carson City Council fails to pass unconstitutional resolution targeting lawful firearm possession and sales. So this was a resolution 19-1693 would have imposed reasonable, what they, this is in quotes by the way, reasonable minimum separation distance requirements, preferably of a radius of one mile or more between gun dealers and the following schools, churches, daycare centers, recreation facilities, bars, bars, liquor stores and residential zones that basically means you will have zero gun dealers in your town because you will not find any anywhere anywhere <laughs> anywhere in that town in that city that you could put a gun dealer that is at least 1 mile away from all of those categories of places this is such a dumb thing yeah i have a friend that has an FFL that has dealt with us a few times where his location is you know he, he's always ha- he's always been able to get his variance. It's a, it's a variance that he has to get uh, through the county to have his business where it's located, and he's always been able to get it through. But there's always people that show up whenever he has to renew his variance to testify against his gun business and how dangerous it is that he's within a thousand feet of some church or school or something, <laughs> and it just makes there's no there's no there's no logic. To the fact that, well, if you have this gun dealer within this distance, certain distance of a school, that somehow that school is at greater risk. It just there, there's there's no evidence that supports anything about that. Uh, anyway, all right. So that was one thing. Then it, this resolution would have provided for the elimination of existing gun dealers that would be deemed non-conforming by the new resolution. Not really clear on what that would mean, but basically there was. They, they would push these, these non-conforming dealers out. Prohibited the sale and possession of firearms on all city-owned property and public right-of-way, including city hall and other city-owned buildings and all city parks and recreation facilities subject to exceptions for possession of firearms by law enforcement officers and prohibited or restricted the sale of additional firearm accessories. Okay. Where do we draw the line on that one? Anyway, point is Carson City, California City Council Failed to get this passed. Whew, thank goodness. But uh, yeah, that doesn't sound very good at all. All right. Final story here in our roundup is out of Pennsylvania, representative Stevens firearm, red flag bill blocked in committee, red, red flag laws are, boy, they are the flavor of the day. Are they not? And so here was one being pushed in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, I got a little pop up that <laughs> covered up my screen as I was trying to, uh, Uh, scroll through the story here. Representative Todd Stevens, he was the primary sponsor on this bill. And basically it got shot down by the House Judiciary Committee in in the state of Pennsylvania. So at least for right now, you're not getting red flag laws in Pennsylvania. Thank goodness. Yeah, wish we could have got that shot down here in Colorado. It was very close, by the way. It was down to like one vote, but it got through. Anyway, that is a wrap on our legislative speed reload segment. And also that means it's kind of a wrap on today's show. Guys, thanks for support your support of our podcast and everything we do here at concealedcarry.com. We could not do it without your generous support. If it's been a while since you visited our site, concealedcarry.com, I'd encourage you to check that out. Check out our many free information and educational resources. Also the many products that we sell there. Your support of our online store keeps us in business, keeps the lights on, keeps the podcast rolling forward. So we thank you for all that you do. We're also especially thankful, want to recognize, I probably should do a better job of recognizing every episode, our many Guardian Nation members. These are folks that join Guardian Nation. That's our special membership program. They get special access to all kinds of awesome, awesome benefits. I, I don't think, if you, if you talk to any of these folks, they'll tell you how, how much they appreciate the benefits of Guardian Nation want to recognize those folks because without Guardian Nation members, we probably also would be keeping the lights on in the the podcast rolling forward. So thank you, Guardian Nation members. We love you. And uh, folks, you're always welcome to learn more at GuardianNation.com. And you can always take advantage of a 14-day trial, concealedcarrier.com forward slash 14-day. Today's episode made possible brought to you by Laser App Software particularly the laser X version. Uh, this is again that dry fire software that works with a laser training aid such as a cert pistol allows you to do some awesome, very beneficial, very valuable skill building, dry practice at home, at work, at church. We've set these up at church before and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so check it out. It's a great tool. Uh, go go to concealcarry.com forward slash lasr. To purchase. All right. And again, that purchase will support us and you'll get the benefit of some awesome dry fire practice. Also, today's episode brought to you by the Legal Boundaries by State Law Book. This is the travel guide for American gun owners. It's a good book. All right. And we poured our hearts and souls into it. (laughs) But basically, you have 50 state summaries and then in the back, Portion of the book, like the back third of it, is a bunch of really great information. In fact, let me just give you a little tease. Proper vehicle firearm storage. We talk about some tips on how to do that. Uh, what does Article Nine Twenty Six A of the Firearm Owner Protection Act actually mean, and what does it actually say? All right. What about air travel with a firearm? Hmm? Some of you have wondered that. There's some great instructions and tips about how to do that. Also, what about hotels, policies, laws, best practices? That kind of stuff. Legal Boundaries by State, American Gun Owners Travel Guide. Pick up a copy today at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Well, folks, we're going to let you go. Appreciate you. Have a great weekend. I'll be back here next week. Monday is our shop talk. And Tuesday will be another yet great. Actually, Tuesday, by the way. So Tuesday, we will actually have Spencer Keepers on the podcast. And those that want to join live, it'll be live on Facebook. I believe that goes live at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So but it'll be in the evening as opposed to 12 noon Mountain Time, which is when we usually try to get the podcast going. But due to Spencer's schedule, we will be doing that at 5 p.m. Mountain Time on Tuesday, whatever day that is. I think it's October 1st. Wow another month come and gone well until then take care be safe out there a reminder to train right train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true take care